just a friendly reminder to everybody to sign up for our Discord channel. Our growing community of users is fantastic and fun and it's engaging. If you're not familiar with Discord, just go down the rabbit hole. It is a great place to engage with like and uh, uh, non-like-minded individuals. Uh, you can visit us at uh, majordomomedia.com. It's an organized thing. We have moderators, the whole thing. Uh, great, great companion to everything we do creatively at Major Dome Media. Will continue to be a good focus for us moving forward. And all things Momofuku, you can visit us at shop.momofuku.com for all your chili crunch, pantry staples, the soy sauce, the spicy, savory salts, etc. And our noodles, the air-dried noodles are available nationwide at places like Target and Whole Foods. And if you're not close to them, you can get it mail-ordered by visiting shop.momofuku.com. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea that we have here at the Spotify Studios and drink quite a bit where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a berry delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Dumbo Media. Thank you, Yola Tango, as always. We have a goodie today. We have a good podcast that we haven't had in a while. By popular request, we're having a moif with Chris and Noel. But I just want to start off by saying thank you for all the birthday wishes. I turned 45 to, uh, last week. Man, it really is a blink that I turned 45. Uh, and I think a lot of people feel this way because of the three years or so of the pandemic. People just sort of lost track of time. And with kids, I was, I think, 41 when Grace became pregnant with Hugo. And now I'm turning 45. So I never, it's, it's just a weird thing. A lot of different emotions. Speaking of which, I went to see Mike Berbiglia's one-man show at the Mark Tapper Theater by the way, I had never been to that area of Los Angeles downtown. It is fucking amazing. It's so nice. It reminds me of um, Lincoln Center in New York City. And he, he, he has a show called Old Man, The Old Man in the Pool. Uh, go check it out and go check out all of his stuff he's done in the past. His, uh, his shows are on Netflix, etc. And he's got a great podcast. But it was very funny and it resonated with me as I get older. Um, so I'll leave it at that. Go check it out. I'm sure he's on for like 30 days and... I hope, hopefully it'll be a streaming TV show or something like that. Fingers crossed on that. Go check that out. But um, I saw that uh, close to my birthday. I went out to dinner a bunch on my birthday week. Uh, a lot of work, but a lot of work dinners and a lot of, sort of birthday dinners. One of the dinners that I had was at Providence. I, I went with a couple friends and it was really spurred on by my wife who... <laughs> didn't complain, said, how can we never go out to a nice restaurant anymore? <laughs> um, so I, 
I was like, well, I don't know why. I mean, it's not because I hate dining out. That's not true. A lot of it's the pandemic. And it was a nice excuse to get dressed up and go to a, a wonderful dinner. And the only restaurant I could think of was Providence, where it would be a proper dining affair. I just don't think there's many restaurants like it in Los Angeles. And Michael Sermusti, he trained in the East Coast. He's a big fan of uh, New England, uh, Martha's Vineyard area. But he worked in some of the best kitchens in the East Coast, and he's been in Providence for for quite some time. And a lot of people know him as the owner of Connie and Ted's, and Providence has been a staple of Los Angeles for many years. I've dined there a couple times, but I haven't dined there in like 10 years. He's always been known as one of the premier seafood fish chefs. He ran a a lot of endeavors to make sustainable fishing popular. And I think a lot of people appreciate that for him, appreciate him for that, I should say. Anyway, so when Grace asked me, hey, let's go out to dinner. I'd like to go to a, a nice dinner, maybe a tasting menu. And that's just not something we don't really say too much. I could only think of Providence. So we made a reservation, invited a couple of our close friends for a, a birthday dinner. It was like a couple of days beforehand. I haven't had that meal, mainly because of the pandemic and also mainly because of where I'm at. I don't want to eat long tasting menu things anymore. I used to crave a four to five hour tasting menu. It's just what I wanted. But the older I get, the less I want a long protracted dining experience. And it, that's not really even it. I guess I have no reason why I don't like eating this way in a formal way. And it's not it's completely relaxed. All I had to do was put on like a nice jacket. I was still wearing jeans and stuff. It has nothing about the dress code. It was more about the kind of food. And I think I have a lot of mixed feelings about very high-end fine dining, that it can't be fun, that it can't be super delicious, all of these things. And when I was sitting down, getting the the, the canapes dropped, drinking a beautiful glass of champagne, the hospitality was unbelievable. It was funny. It, I had to think about why I didn't like eating this way. And I couldn't remember. I had no idea why I didn't like it. And I was unprepared for the complete joy that I had at dining there. And, in, and it was clearly the wonderful company. And it was uh, a lot of it was the experience itself, but a lot of it was the food and the service. And it knocked me on my ass. It was so fucking good that I kept on thinking to myself, why do I not like eating like this? I have the luxury, I'm fortunate enough to eat like this. And it's not something I wanna eat at every time, but it's a reminder of celebration. It's a reminder of, oh wait, like it's nice to eat like this on special occasions. And I say this with all sincerity, it was one of the best meals I've had in many, many years, uh, regardless of where the fuck I've dined, because every course was perfect. Every course was beautiful. Every course was seasoned perfectly. The Temp on all the cooked dishes was great. The desserts were over the top, over the top, not in an in, in extravagance, just, just like it was just so well done that I was very, very happy. And I couldn't remember. I just was like, it was one of those meals where you think to yourself, why don't I, I why do I, why did I get so jaded eating this way? And it's a kind of food where every plate was dropped. And I said to myself, wow, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. At, it's a lot of work to make it look like it's not a lot of work. And it's a kind of cooking that doesn't really exist in Los Angeles anymore, or even the country, right? For that matter, where it's a big team and it's set up with chef de parties and it's an old school system in terms of its organization. But you need those many cooks to make that kind of food. And 
I think it's a dedication to excellence and a kind of cooking that is lost. And I wanted to talk about it, not just because I had a great meal. I want us to have more restaurants like this, not just in Los Angeles, all over the place to really celebrate excellence, to celebrate a level of technique, proficiency, and execution and hospitality. The service was just flawless and it was just awesome. It's, 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 it's always wonderful to see mastery of any kind of art form, any kind of craft. And that's what I felt like going there. It was fucking really good. And I said to myself, if this isn't a three mission star dining experience, then I don't know what is. And it's clearly the best restaurant in Los Angeles, I think, in terms of what they're doing. It's just unparalleled right now. Um, and I feel like they really learned a lot. It's been a, a long time since I last ate there, but their bread program, their desserts, their petty fours, the miniardes, everything was so good. It was, there was, again, a flawless meal. There was not one misstep. Again, I don't care about stars or shit like that because those are imperfect, but I can tell you unequivocally, not that it's news to a lot of people. Providence is one of the very best restaurants and has been for many, many years. But if you, ha you haven't visited Providence in some time, or if you're visiting or you haven't visited LA and you're looking for a blowout meal, that's, this is where you should go. It's, it's definitely not cheap because if you order a nice bottle of wine and stuff, but it's the kind of meal you should have to look forward to like once a year or once every couple of years. That's the kind of meal that it is to me. And I'm looking forward to spending another meal there in a year or two, or, you know, maybe, maybe less. I don't know, but I want to, I want to savor these moments instead of trying to like swim in them. You know, I really wanted to, to savor this meal. I thought it was beautiful and it was a great way of me recalibrating with the kind of cooking that I used to do. And I, I don't, I don't see and I don't taste that much anymore. So it was wonderful for me to get recalibrated and to be reconnected with a kind of cooking that was beautiful. The fish was perfect. I mean, everything was really perfect. There's nothing I can say that wasn't, and I don't say that lightly because I always find some flaw. I mean, there's literally, it's in a rare list of restaurants, of meals where I've had where start to finish was like nines and tens. So for me, in my book. So kudos to the whole team there because um, they're really cooking at an extremely high level right now. So, and, and the thing is, I haven't been in a long time, so maybe they have always been. But I just, I just, uh, I'm wondering, <laughs> I'm wondering if I start to go down this road and I start eating like this a lot or trying to, this could be problematic too, because I'm trying to, again, save my opportunities for the same reason I try to save the opportunities to go eat sushi uh, until they're places that I really want to eat at. This is a kind of meal that is not everyday food. I'm sure it is for extremely wealthy people, but it was a kind of meal that I was fortunate to have that was extremely enjoyable and i just wanted to share that it's not news to some people but it is in my opinion probably at the very top tier when you say the best right there could be always a handful of places that are doing the very 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 best work but it's in discussion for the very best restaurant in los angeles for sure and, um, if you're looking for that kind of dining i think it's some of the very best in all the world right now too and i mean that it, it is so so fucking good so Big shout out to Chef Siramusti and the whole team at Providence. Go check it out. And we'll get on to a Moif a conversation well, we haven't had in a long time with Noel and Chris. Okay. 
We have uh, Noelle and Chris here. We haven't done a MOIF in some time. Well, I've been kind of scrolling through the Discord to take a look at what's been going on there. Lots of lovely conversation happening. But something that's kind of been coming up uh, is a topic that came up on a recent pod, Dave, as you were, as the three of us, but you were definitely talking to us about how, you know, the kitchen really cares about who's ordering what, and you're able to judge orders off of that. But there's a lot of questions and discussion from people who are going into restaurants kind of saying, well, what if I ask for the chef's choice or, you know, the server's thoughts on it? Is that considered lazy or is that actually okay? Depends. I, I, I think that I mentioned this a little bit. So if I didn't, shame on me. Or if I did, shame on you, the listener. <laughs> shame on somebody. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, I, I mentioned there are some restaurants where it's not even a question of what you're allowed to do because there is no choice. It is a, a, a degustation tasting menu, and that's the only option. You could choose maybe a vegetarian option, you know, but that's just it. And maybe the only other option is, a, you know, do you want a super fancy wine pairing or just the normal fancy wine pairing? There are some restaurants that have a la carte, which means you can order anything you want from the menu. And then there is the tasting menu. That's, I, I think the tasting menu is great for certain things. It can showcase the ability of a restaurant or the chef or what they're trying to do in a tasting format. It is still, to me, the best way to getting understanding of the, the sort of the culinary vision. But this kind of proving your worth as a diner, I think, is more of over time. That might be good to do it once in a while. But even if you did, the, ball, the, the real move then is, does anyone know what the, 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 the super pro F1 Lewis Hamilton move here is to supplement the chef's menu. There you go, Chris. Gold star for you. Gold star. <laughs> to say I will get this, but I want a mid-course here between the third and fourth course of the, you know, the guinea hen and and and, and the and the and the sturgeon. I would like a foie gras course. Yeah. And be very specific with that. Uh, you know, and also you're already ordering all the supplements on the tasting menu. Plus, you are not choosing your own adventure saying like, okay, I like this. This is like a good mix remix. It's like a remix, your own little remix. I want this, this, and this as well. Now, Challenge. to be clear, what Dave is saying is not to ask to replace anything on the menu with something else that you want. You, that, that is a, that's, that's an amateur move. Not just amateur. That is, I hate to say it, it's extremely disrespectful. It is. To, to hu <laughs> the humankind. <laughs> It's a step backwards for us as a civilization. And yeah, I've seen it so many times where you're doing, this is where it is, uh, there's different kinds of seating. In a small counter seat restaurant, you can do staggered seating. And the reason you do staggered seating, what I mean is you're doing it like 5 o'clock, 5.15, 5.30, 6 o'clock, 6.30, hoping that by the time the, the first table is the 5 to say 6 o'clock, people are finished eating. The, 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 their seats are free for the, the 8.30 to 9.30 reservations. But if you're doing it by sort of like predetermined time, right? If you're sitting at a one o'clock, if you're sitting, uh, only seating is at like six o'clock. We used to do this and some other restaurants do it where because you're cooking each course as you go, you can't really cook individually for each diner. Although the team at Co would do that, which is totally fucking insane. People don't understand the difficulty of doing that. But when you're doing staggered seating, or if you're not eating all at once, the problem is 
people that are eventually seating, uh, uh, sitting down can see in the future what they're about to get. Because they may not understand or maybe they didn't look at the menu or whatever, but then if the person to the right of them is eating uni, right? And, and they're like, oh, I don't, I don't want that. Or they might see uh, you know, a tripe or something they don't like. Or it could be, this happens a lot, a bird with the head on it, because that's in vogue right now. Or a bird with the fucking feet on it. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't eat that. Or they see a vegetable dish. Oh, I don't like mushrooms. Or they see a fish dish. Oh, I don't. All of a sudden, it's the, I have an allergy person. Mm-hmm. I have a special request person. There's a special place in hell for those motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> when you're giving me, um, you're telling me you're definitely allergic to this, and you're just telling me now, and we're literally fire your course. We're about to plate it, and now you're telling us no. And now, whatever fucking happens, we look like assholes when you, the customer, are the fucking jerk. Not the fucking <laughs> restaurant. You, the customer, are fucking jerk face. <laughs> But the Yelp review is going to be like, I can't believe the fucking restaurant didn't take my fucking guy. I didn't, look. you know, there's no way to verify. But I would say sometimes that happens. It's a legitimate accident. Most of the times it's because some fucking motherfucker doesn't like eating something that they just mm. saw go to the table next to them and suddenly yeah. develops a deathly allergy to. Yes. It's funny. Here's how you know it's visual. You never have once heard, oh, I'm too, it's too spicy for me. Hmm. It's, you know, I don't like the taste of rosemary. It's never about taste. I, no one ever says taste. It's mm-hmm. always, I am allergic. I'd rather have someone say the balls like, I don't like. This is called malingering. This is feigning an illness to get out of a test. <laughs> this is what this is. Is like, they don't want to put it on taste. Well, again, imagine this scenario. You're feigning an illness to, to not take a test. You get a bad grade, and yet you go to the board of the university you're at and you blame the teacher it's a fucking yeah. teacher's fault and you give the teacher a bad review for giving you a c because you weren't properly prepared for this fucking test that you didn't study at all you know how i know i was that fucking asshole uh, fuck was, you teacher i was ill prepared by this teacher for the teacher's test <laughs> that's fine dining were you talking do you think they're talking more about like occasionally you'll go to like less of a tasting menu restaurant and there'll be something that's like tired of making decisions let the who chef are these, the who are these people that don't go to tasting menu only restaurant <laughs> Dave hasn't eating, e- e- eaten a non-tasting menu meal in 20 years where's my cake where's my fucking cake <laughs> sir the, the, the peasants are at the gates <laughs> but like other occasions where I admit sometimes if I'm at like not I'm not talking about the what you're saying where there's like there's an a la carte menu and there's a tasting menu. Sometimes you go mm-hmm. to, you know, a, a red sauce Italian place or something and it's just like tired of making decisions like let the let the chef choose for no. you. And I'm like, no, I don't want to no. do that. No. You know why? That menu is costed out. And that's not true. Not again. There is always exceptions to the rule. So I don't want to say this isn't true, but I would say for the most part, that tasting menu has that that pre fee, right? Choose this or this for the first course, then choose this or this for the second course. That has, it's probably the only thing in that restaurant that's properly food costed out. Right. Mm. Right. That's the, that's, that's like the best value for the restaurant. And so it's not like, that's so like the cynical view I have. But the is best like, one, it's like the, the, the fish course. It's like, choose the, the grilled Atlantic salmon or lobster market price. <laughs> Wait, how does that change the price? Oh, right. right. So like, yeah, for me, it's like, this is not the chef 
this isn't the chef creating this menu for me standing on the line and preparing the food. This is the chef's menu standing in the walk-in and looking at what he's got to get rid of. <laughs> or this is like... the chef's menu created by the controller or the CFO. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, something happened last week in which I was at a dinner with Chris Yang and Chris was ordering for the table. And whoa, we had a whoa, scenario whoa, in which... Whoa, 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 back up, back God up, damn back, it, up. back up, Noel. Was this a dinner that I had to leave? I had to go home? And then you yeah. went out to dinner? Yeah. Yeah. How many people were present? Five. And uh, when you sat, when you all sat down, at what restaurant was it? Chris Chen sent us to Rafi's place in Glendale. Okay. You're at Rafi's place. Mm-hmm. You're sitting down. Were you guys looking at each other as who was going to take the final shot? You know, with two seconds left. You know what I mean? No. there was. This is very similar to when Simmons talks about you want a team of players that has at least like three people where you can look at on the court and we're like, yeah, I can take the final shot. Who was worthy of taking the final shot? I think it was Ying. It was just me, man. <laughs> it was just me. Well, was... we, okay, in fairness, we had all done the pick what you actually want and, and then, you know, Ying will round it out. So it's not really Chris's fault. You guys are all, you know, the first three quarter players. Ah, <laughs> I haven't even gotten to my question. You guys yet. are Korean you guys Thompson. Korean yeah. Thompson were hurt. And yeah, we're you guys around, are Chris. Chris Weber, like, Pete, Chris <laughs> Weber, Sacramento Kings. I don't want to shoot the ball in the fourth quarter. Okay, <laughs> got it. So you got to give it a Dion Dion Waiters. God, I'm just like I'm here. <laughs> I'm gonna shoot it because I'm the best player on the court. I'm the, the best rock. player on the court. <laughs> All right. Oh, goodness. Okay. So Chris is basically done ordering for us. We had all deemed this to be a very fine quantity. The the spread. We're feeling good. Can I but can this, I just give myself a, just a little yeah. bit of credit here? So Rafi's place is a a a big celebratory. Like everyone there is having a celebration. Everything is a huge portion. And I walked around the restaurant a couple of times and I noticed like it's also weirdly, everyone seems to order their own kebab plate, which is enormous. And I was like, I can't order five full kebab platters. We're just not going to eat that much food. So that informed my decision making. Now, mm-hmm. Noel, continue. So Chris orders three kebabs, three kebab plates, if I'm not mistaken. And the server kind of has that, you know, <laughs> has, that, has that look and that little <laughs> chuckle. As though it's not enough because he's used to everyone else, you know, having their own plate of kebabs. And so my question is, at what point do you trust the server when they say, oh, you can use, you know, a couple more plates added to your meal? Or do you trust your gut? Because what happened, Noel, I I panicked. I saw him laugh at me. Noel kept describing him as having laughed at me. And so I was like, what, can, what's you, going- can, can you recreate what the sound was like? I was like, hmm. <laughs> it, was it. A no, it was actually a Noel. <laughs> Wait. So, so Chris said, ask the question, is this enough food? The server goes, hmm. Did you guys, is it similar? This is maybe an esoteric reference. In searching for Bobby Fisher, when Bobby Fisher, the, the kid sees Josh Waitskin, sees the other kid go, Hmm. <laughs> and he goes trick or treat. Is that was like is that like a smirk of you fool, you peon? I'm going to destroy you. It actually was a hmm. And then I said, 
wait, is that is that not enough? Like, I registered them as like, wait, what's wrong? What I did something wrong? What's going on? I didn't do enough. What's going on? He was like, and he said he he said to me, he's like, well, you only ordered three kebab plates, and there are five of you. <laughs> so let me set this up again using a basketball analogy. Basically, it's a last second shot, and the defender realizes that Chris Ying has taken the shot. He's like, take it. Steps <laughs> back, back, backs away, <laughs> take it. No, but here's here's why Noel is asking, because at the end, I took stock. We all overate. I took stock of the damage, and I looked at it, and I was like, there are two full kebabs left, and this thing is completely untouched, and there's a full rice plate there. And those are the three extra things that I ordered when he hoofed me, and now I have dramatically over-ordered because I panicked and didn't trust my gut. Now, do you think he he suckered you in? Like he robo-doped you? That's my that's what I think that's the question. Did I get rope-a-doped a little bit? That's a real server move, right? I got rope-a-doped and upsold and like it, uh, listen, round of applause for that guy, because he got me real good. He identified my weak, my, my insecurities, my deepest insecurities. Literally. Now, now can can I ask when you ordered more? Did you diversify your order? Did you just double up on what you had already ordered? I added extra stuff that I had been eyeing, but had deprioritized. Now, what were the extra stuff? What did you order? So we had mostly done, we'd done a bunch of, you know, cold starters. We'd done just kebabs for dinner. So I added What kind like of a, kebabs? Are all kebabs the same? No, we did a chicken lula, like a beef lula, and then another like uh, chicken shish kebab. I think were like the plates. And was there pork? Was this Armenian? There was not. A, there was not an Armenian place. I think it's an Iranian restaurant, actually. All right. So then, what were the variety of other pork or chicken you ordered then? So the other, the other, we added another mixed rice. It was like the kebab was sort of like mixed in and cooked with like the rice and and uh, various vegetables and herbs. I'm totally blanking on the on the name of it. And then added a stew, like a chicken stew. So I, I think your mistake was ordering the mixed plate with rice. Yeah, that didn't get touched. <laughs> yeah, because you, you had already had that. But whereas the stew was definitely touched, the stew got touched. Mm-hmm. I touched the stew a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. I definitely got upsold. I think you, 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 I think you, th- you, you hit. You threw up a brick. It's okay, Chris. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Everybody ate. Everybody was happy. Sometimes I successfully ordered. You have to hold yourself to the higher standard. If you really want to be a gold club, big boy, Asian member, gold club, you can't make these kinds of silly mistakes, man. I know. I know. I'm a charter member of the big boy, Asian club. The reality is what you needed to do is go when you're done with it. Go, you know, the server comes back and go, hmm. How was everything? That's it. That's what I would have done. You know, I would have done that. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I mean, my my general mistake in ordering is not under ordering though. Like I don't, I don't, I, I shoot the ball. I'll, I'll brick it for sure. I'll put it off the backboard, but I never come up short. That's that's the thing. Mm. Yeah, you're 20, 20 feet past the hole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just launching them from a diner side. I mean, there are definitely instances when I've overordered, but should we? feel bad that we overordered, you know, when the when the restaurant almost clearly knows that you overordered. Is that a is that a bad move or is that seen as a bad move? So what what I think is a actually a pro move is to see especially a restaurant you haven't been to is to see the food coming out. And the pro move is this. 
is to be able to look into the kitchen if possible, or just to judge that, okay, this order, while it was fired, could be repurposed to another table because it's ordered so much, right? And say like, hey, listen, is there any way this plate or this plate could go to another table and we could just order whatever we've ordered and just take these two dishes off? If you give them that kind of logic where they're not going to eat it or lose money, it's different when, and it's, it's a small window. You can't say this, um, this happened when we were in Las Vegas. We were all at Russia, all the whole Momo team. And I didn't realize it at the time, but everyone started to leave. There was like 12 <laughs> of us because everyone was catching flights. I didn't realize this. I ordered a whole shit ton of food and it wound up being only four of us 30 minutes in. Way too much food. So what I said was, clearly this prime rib, I know that it's cooked off. You can't tell me that it's not. It's, you're cooking it all the minute. That's wrong. You haven't even sliced this fucking guy yet. I was like, please, can you take this off? I know you haven't, blah, blah, blah. It's like, given the logic, the things that he says they've already fired, I'm like, okay, like, we'll, we'll, we'll eat that. But the things that I'm like, what are the ones that you know that are going to be ordered and can be, it's a specific kind of waiting and, and, and uh, logistics. Because even if you're waiting for a table to fire that, it may not match up because the restaurant could still eat it because... Let's just say I order the lamb chops. You have to wait for a server to take an order of lamb chops to then direct that over. It's it's very similar to an airline landing at the airport, right? It's like, okay, I got an opening, go. So you got to just eat that. So, But knowing that and just offering that kind of advice, I think could increase your probability of getting rid of at least one or two dishes. So this this came up at this meal, actually. And I think you're you're totally right, Dave, because the the huge mistake is... You order a bunch of food and as it starts coming out, you're like, whoa, this is too much food. Like we got to cancel something like you're you, you've passed the threshold. You've passed that point where the asteroid's going to hit the planet and can't be split into two anymore. So I ordered in reality, Noel, I ordered like four extra things when I got hmmed by the waiter and I looked at Noel and she had a new look on her face that was like, whoa, you really overcompensated. dude." <laughs> and so. We, I think you have, from the time the server leaves your table with your order, you've got 120 seconds to go cancel yeah, something. It's actually very similar to canceling a, a, a Postmates or, or DoorDash order. <laughs> you got the countdown. You got the countdown. You got to move. You got to do these calculations in your head very quickly. Yeah. I will say that there's a, the move, for those that have dined with me recently, you know that this is my like now go-to move. I will always over-order, but it's not always, it doesn't always happen at the get-go. I almost always order the appetizers to start. You do do this, yes. Mm -hmm. I do this. Or like I have things that I know are going to take some time, like a plateau of oysters or, you know, whatever. So things that I know are like quick pickup things where it's just a scoop, a dip of stuff and some bread, whatever. I get that done, sit down, the server takes your order, no, for drink order. When the drink order happens, give them that. So let's just get, let's just get going. And then you start to have the conversation of what you're doing, what you want to eat. I add as I go. I'm continuing adding as I'm going. So I order the things that I know that are going to take time to cook. So I'm not adding on, say, a tomahawk pork chop right. like an hour into the meal. Right. But if I see a short rib or you know something that I know is already pre-cooked, adding that. Or if I know it's a quick pickup, like a fried chicken or something like that. When I say quick pickup, let's just say it's fried chicken. It's got enough throughput in the restaurant that it's constantly being cooked every two minutes. So the the whatever's happening at the past, they can just snag that chicken and give it to us if they need be. Uh, what do you even qualify as 
over ordering. What is like a situation where you look at the table at the end of the meal and you're like, well, this is easy. It's, it's an easy definition. It's very easy. Over ordering is simply this. If you don't bring it home, you look like a horrific human being. <laughs> right. Hmm. Right. Yeah. If there's like just a couple of bites left and you're like, no, we're not going to take any leftovers. Could be even a little bit more where, you know, what am I going to do with, you know, three scoops of mashed potatoes? Right. But if there's like an entree or two or three entrees sitting there and you're like, I need to take this home or I'm going to be like arrested. Like, I, let me sort of rephrase that. If it's a four plus four container, north of five, let's say north of five containers of food or four, I think four, four big containers like or like Chinese containers or pork containers. There's four of those or four boxes. That's too much. <laughs> but unless unless again, there's another strategy here. There's, there's so much to this. Unless you know that there's certain dishes that you want to bring home and reheat, or you know that are going to be good regardless, like a fried rice or something like that. That's okay to order if you're going to eat it. Mm-hmm. That's fine. It's, you're basically just saving time. <laughs> I would have gotten this delivered tomorrow. I'm just eating this now. I'm going to reheat it tomorrow. Do you ever get annoyed with people that you're eating with when it's like approaching the end of the meal and you're, you're doing your sort of mental assessment of like, you know what? I can turn that into something later, but this fish here is not going to be good. That'll turn into soup. And then you're watching your table mates continue to eat the things that can be repurposed later and leave the one that's fresh. <laughs> that's the most annoying thing. No, I, I've, I've never felt that. <laughs> <laughs> you feel nothing but love and <sighs> compassion for your dining no, mates. No, it's, ne- it's never happened to me. Because I'm an expert eater, Chris. I'm saying your table mates are doing this and you're upset that they're no, eating the thing that no, you're going to turn into. You don't understand, man. I've already ninjaed my way into eating my fill of what I want. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't care what anybody else is doing. <laughs> I already had my allotment. They didn't even know it. Fair. It's, you know, every time I go out to eat with people, it's a three-card Monty trick. They don't know. <laughs> oh, Sometimes, sometimes the little P isn't even under the cups because Dave's no. already eaten before he showed up for dinner. It's not even there. I mean, Chris, you know, you see me. It, it could be anything. I'm sneaking shit. Yeah. I slide. I, I don't have the powers to slide a hand at any other facet of my life except when I die. <laughs> I'll still never forget that pie month where you and I were splitting a piece of pie and you cut it laterally instead of longitudinally. <laughs> Uh, why, why, why would I do such a move, Chris? <laughs> oh, I, I know, you, weren't even, you weren't even thinking, I assume. You were just like, oh, this is the easiest way to slice it. I think because that maybe you were taking a crusty part and leaving me 100, with 100%. <laughs> oh, goodness. Again, pro moves. I know. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. 
We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. One more question on, on the request side of things, and let's even make it more casual. Where do you stand on special requests at fast food restaurants? So, you know, do you actually hate the person who's asking for fries well done over at In-N-Out, or are you one of them? Well, I, I don't really do special requests unless it's at In-N-Out. And that's just reality. My special request now is, I know this, never asked for well-drawn anything. I never asked for anything special other than animal-style double-double, you know? Because everything else, they fuck you on the time. You're, you, you have number 90, right? And you're waiting, and you're waiting. And they've already cycled through the fucking 20s. They're all the way back to the 20s. <laughs> and those motherfuckers are getting their food, and you're still waiting. Right. Because you're the sucker that opened... You know, yeah. order the special fries. Soggy fries 30 minutes ago are better than sort of crispy fries 30 minutes from now. Also in the Discord, I read that somebody said, I don't know what in and out these guys are going to because it's always faster inside the restaurant. Oh, you crazy, man. I was <laughs> literally, I, I, I literally wanted to let everyone know, should we ban this fucking person? <laughs> Not only does it take longer inside, time Time actually moves slower inside of the restaurant than outside the restaurant. Mm -hmm. True, because there's mm -hmm. more mass, which means the speed of light travels a little bit less <laughs> fast in that in and out. Yeah. Today's uh, special guest is Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> Space-time continuum inside of an in and out. Uh, so it is the summer. How are we feeling about seasonal restaurants? Are they overrated or underrated? And I'm talking, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those restaurants in like Maine and seaside towns that only open for the summer. How do you feel about them? I'm, I'm a huge fan of those. You know, having gone to school in Connecticut, those lobster roll, lobster shack, crab shack type of things are fantastic. Delicious. There is no such thing here. Although, yes, there are many a lobster roll in New England places here, which I don't understand, but whatever. We don't have seasons here, so we don't have seasonal restaurants. No. I've always wanted to, I've never been to one of those like seasonal supper clubs in like the upper Midwest, just like tucked into the woods or whatever. Those seem interesting to me, but what I have no mean? experience with them. This, Can there's, they're like, they're a dying breed, but you have these like rush, these summer only club restaurants out in the woods. And I think it's like, I mean, I don't think that there are a lot of people who look like us there, but I'm, uh, I'm still curious about it, but I have no okay. experience with it. I've only lived in California. I feel like I've only learned about or experience this in a very real way in the last couple of years. And I think the one thing that always throws me off is how young the staff is. And I'm talking about, you know, the teenagers that are running the restaurants. Oh, yeah. And I always find it funny whenever they're, you know, taking orders because it very they're following the, the script through and through. And yet there's something still so strange and robotic about it that I both love and hate all at the same time. So... You know what intimidates me more than like the snootiest, Frenchest waiter in the entire world at like the fanciest restaurant on the planet is a teenager taking my order somewhere. <laughs> I'm so intimidated. Mm -hmm. I'm so scared of teenagers, man. I can't do it. Yeah, Sasha says a 16-year-old hostess, the most intimidating figure. 
on the planet to me. I don't know. I agree. I agree. I'm just scared. Dave, you're not scared of teenagers. <laughs> I don't I don't remember the last time I talked to one. <laughs> <laughs> See, they're they are to be avoided. Well, no, that's uh, why I don't know if it's scary or not. Just, I have no data. <laughs> it's like for me, if I, on those questionnaires where you're in a medical form, have you had a child? I mean, like, have you know, have you ever been pregnant? I have to say, no, I, 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 I don't know. I, imagine. I don't know what that's like. I imagine. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it's like to have a, a child hostess. hostess. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no. Um, okay. Well, moving right along. So a while back, Dave, you mentioned that prepared food stands at the farmer's market just always exist. You know, there's always a, a few stands there. And there's always one hummus guy. Do we think that they're good? I have envisioned that the hummus uh Middle Eastern stand that I'm sure is in, in San Francisco as well, the Bay Area. Do you have that? Mm -hmm. Every farmer's market has one? Yeah, we've always got the one hummus person. And they have the pita bread, the pita chips, different kinds of hummus, you know, baba ganoush, you know, za'atar flatbread, stuff like that. I think it's owned by Hostess or, or <laughs> Mondelez. <laughs> you know, Nabisco, one of the giant food conglomerates because I just don't see anything that's... Uh, Bespoke to a uh, family independent, you know, type of thing. I just don't. I could be totally wrong, and it could be the great American immigrant story. But I have the sneaking suspicion that it's a hydra-like operation. Hmm. <laughs> right. It's like one of those like uh, corporate like uh, 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 trees where it's like at the very bottom is this little guy Ted's yeah. hummus. <laughs> it's like Panera breads. Um, right. New. Grassroots campaign launched by some, right. you know, McKinsey consultant that fucking did oxycodone, yeah. oxycodone type of thing. You know, I don't know. It's just a very weird thing to me. Yeah. But do I order? Do I get the pita bread sometimes? Yes. Do I get the baba ganoush? Do, do I do I still buy shit from there? Yes. My my thing is always like because there's I don't know if it's like this in the L.A. markets, Chang, but in in San Francisco in the Bay Area there's also always the nowadays the kimchi guy. And I would, I'm always like, you know why I don't want to buy hummus from the hummus guy? Is that like, I know I'm not going to buy kimchi from the kimchi guy. Like, Let me same, just say this for the record. I don't want to buy kimchi from any place that you can buy oat milk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like, no. Right. Unless it's a Momofuku kimchi, but no, we won't. <laughs> Um, I, I just don't, and, and it's just not, it's just not the same. There's really good places to buy pre-made kimchi. I'm not going to buy a place where I can buy toothpaste, you know, oat milk, you know, different kinds of orange juice. Oh, that's not where you want to buy it. Meat alternatives, you know, yeah. I'm not buying, I'm not buying it. But do you have do you have a guy in the Bay Area? Because I know this doesn't happen in the East Coast. This doesn't happen in New York City or East Coast markets. The reason is, is it doesn't exist there. The guy that shouts out, Avocado Oi! You have that guy? <laughs> what? No, no, I'm what? looking forward to encountering this. Avocado Oi! <laughs> Every farmer's market in LA has a guy that just yells out, Avocado Oi! It's an art, it's an avocado like. But he's saying oil, he's saying oil. 
Some people drop down. It, and it's, it, it gives me so much joy because it's like a, a church bell, but that rings every minute. <laughs> it's a, it's avocado a, oil. It's an avocado oil, like carnival barker. Just trying to it's pull great. you in. Okay, it's such a good yell. It's great. And it rolls off the tongue. What do you make of that? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> what do you make of like the barker role generally like the, the hype man who like if you're walking through like little italy stands outside and is just like hey come in for a romantic meal or the avocado oil. do you think that's an effective means of pulling customers in the barker clearly it is because i'm doing free marketing for <laughs> right now <laughs> i'm letting the world know that there's avocado oil to be sold in southern california at your local farmer's market go buy it it's great right <laughs> It has crossed mediums into pockets from from just in person oral tradition. Avocado or <laughs> we don't have that. No, I, I, I. What I wonder is, I still buy it. Doesn't mean I don't. I'm, I, I don't know if I'm a sucker or I'm supporting small business when I buy breads there. If I buy muffins, there's always like a muffin person there. I don't really buy fish from there. Um, sometimes I'll buy some nice pork. It is a little bit always more expensive, but again, I'm trying to support, you know, smaller businesses. I tend to buy most of my eggs that I give my kids there. The kids I give, the eggs I give myself are from Trader Joe's or, you know, but to the kids, they get blue eggs. I got to buy them blue eggs. Um, <laughs> so like I buy certain things, but for the prepared foods, I bought some um, barbecue at the South Pasadena Farmer's Market, a stand that I've been going, I've always looked at it, but I'm like, eh. And man, did they make me wait for fucking ever. <laughs> I was actually so pissed, but it was pretty good. You know, like it, nothing's ever bad, but it's never, holy shit. Yeah. It's yeah. just never that, never like that for me. I agree with that. And I think it's like, I mean, if you just step back and look at it, it's uh, like uh, they're, they're serving food from a stand. Like there's like kind of a ceiling to like a, setting up their stand at six in the morning and then trying to sell the food at seven. But I, I did have a good, you know, and I really do. I buy shit. I always buy shit no matter where I am because I'm trying to snut, stuff as much food as I can without my wife or anybody seeing. You know, I, I won't pass up those opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say Hollywood Farmer's Market on Sundays has a really good, I like their samosas. There's always a samosa stand. I also feel that most of the pupusas you can get at any farmer's market are all equally good. But I don't get tacos. I don't get Peruvian food. It really is pupusas or samosas. And I just had a, you know some barbecue, which was okay. It was good. Really good French fries. But outside of that, I don't really... you know. And occasionally, I will buy that stuff from the Middle Eastern market. Because, you know, it's... I don't know. They just know. They're there. They're always right there before you get into your car. <laughs> Their stands are literally always the first or second when you enter, you know, and you're like, I'm not buying that. And then you leave, you're like, oh, you know what? I forgot to buy bread or this will work or, you know, I'm, I'm supporting, I'm supporting Nabisco all the time. <laughs> <laughs> They've paid a premium to be in those front spots. It's true. Panera bread. I've never eaten there, but I have via these stands. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I have one more for you. And it's a real power ranking. I want your top five diet sodas. Mm, wow. Wow. My, my head's going to fucking explode here. I got I to gotta write this out. This is something that's very serious to me. 
What are your di- what are your diet sodas? What do you like? What are your thoughts about diet soda, guys? First, I'm asking you guys because I've seen you both consume a good chunk of diet sodas, but I'm not I, a diet I'm not, I'm not a diet a, soda person at all. I like what twice a year I'll see like a Coca Cola commercial in the movies and just be like, God damn, that looks good, and then I'll have one. But Dave Dave drinks. You know what? You know what I did do in is uh Dave Dave was always singing the praises of that sugar free energy drink. <laughs> I drink a lot of I drink a lot of sugar free Red Bulls in Las so Vegas. Good. They're so, so good. good. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. How do they pack all that flavor in there? <laughs> <laughs> How do they pack all that flavor into that piss flavored piss color <laughs> water? It's amazing. All right, I, I got I got it for you guys. Number one, top five diet, diet, top five diet Dr Pepper. Number two, diet Sunkissed. Ooh, so good. Wow, so good. Doesn't wow. taste. Doesn't taste diet. Wow. That, okay, so that's the that's the primary metric, right? Doesn't taste like. No, I don't give a shit about diet. It just tastes good, right? Mm. Number three, I don't drink Diet Coke anymore because I mm. prefer Coke Zero. But Coke Zero is better internationally. Coke Zero in America is not fucking good. Also, mm. you can't buy Diet Coke elsewhere in the world. It's only Coke Zero. They've removed. They've like removed Diet Coke. It's a. It's a. It's a conspiracy. At your peak, were you one of these Diet Coke people, though, like who have it throughout the day? How do you even pronounce that? Shock syndrome? Phenylalkylene? Yeah, phenyl, phenyl, I forget what it is. Yeah. (laughs) No, I I just, I drank a lot of Diet Coke, especially working the line. That was like my beverage of choice, just a little caffeine. And I do like soda beverage as a palate cleanser. Um, I like it better as a palate cleanser than regular load, like sugar loaded because it's too much sugar. Mm-hmm. And I think honestly, I think diet Coke or diet sodas in general are really good palate cleansers because it doesn't leave that sweet thing. It's, it disappears relatively quick. The other thing I would have to put any diet energy drink, Red Bull, Celsius, you name it, highball, all very good. Uh, <laughs> I've never had Rockstar, although I'm tempted to. You know that big thing that yeah, comes in like that. 24 ounces? I know the big thing. I am scared. It, it is intimidating to me because I don't want to be that asshole that walks around drinking a rock star drink. It's so big. It's so much. How much I energy mean, they, do you if need? They, if they turned it into a four and a half, five ounce can, yeah, I might drink a rock star thing because no one can see what I'm drinking. <laughs> well, the fact that it's like a tall boy of energy drink is intense. I agree. So that's four. The diet drink that I've drank most in my life is diet peach snapple. Not really a soda, but I'll give that one to you. Yeah. Because okay. in college, that was on my meal plan. I was like, and, and it was that kind of meal plan where you had to like buy a bunch of stuff at the end before you lose it. Uh-huh. And my my mini fridge was a constant oasis of diet peach Snapple. <laughs> Made from the best stuff on earth, man. The best aspartame. Can someone tell me, can someone tell me how that marketing campaign was? Again, you guys may be a, too young when they... I mean, we should look it up. When they said we're number three, oh, <laughs> number three was very good. Is that what was it? Number three? Yeah, specifically, we're the third best beverage. That's what it was. It was like Snapple wants to be number three. Yeah, amazing. Again, some might say that was a terrible marketing campaign, but clearly not. If I'm still thinking about it 25 years later, <laughs> God, Snapple really took the took the country by storm when it came out. Snapple, Snapple. sounds so good. Snapple. <laughs> <laughs> the, but the peach 
That's that just because that was the only one they offered, or you have some kind of now, affinity peach to is, peach flavor? Now, peach is just delicious. Yeah. It's better. They had a raspberry. They had all those other fucking flavors, but it's garbage. So I think raspberry apple. tea is the worst. It's so, it's everywhere, but raspberry is not good. Peach, though. Peach snapple. Peach snapple. <laughs> Snap into a slip jam. All right, that was a moif. We'll, we're going to do more of it, but it may be its own thing. We'll, we'll, don't worry, guys. Moif isn't going anywhere. In fact, we're going to quadruple down on Moif. But it got me thinking before I let you guys go. I know I talked about Providence at the beginning of the podcast, but I didn't really describe any of the food. There's many dishes I could talk about. There's a couple that come to mind that I'm thinking about still. And that's why I like to, instead of judging a restaurant right off the bat, I, I'm always wondering to myself, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait a couple of weeks. I'm going to wait a week. And if I'm still thinking about it, then this meal was clearly at another level. There's a dish they had with really a slice of perfect tomato, you know, heirloom tomato with hiramasa from Japan with some micro basil and some olive oil, some spicy olive oil. I believe it was hiramasa. That's what it tastes like to me. It's a lean fish that is unctuous and fatty. And again, they're simple presentations. Nothing looks overly complicated, but it is. And that's why I was saying to myself, so much work went into everything. It takes a lot of work to make it look like there was not a lot of work put into the dish, if that makes any sense. And again, this dish to me just screams of confidence. It screams of seasonality. It screams of, you know, combination of of flavors that you may or may not be familiar with, but also very familiar, you know, tomato basil. But the fish and the, the the aging of that fish with the ikijime, with the olive oil, it just was so good with the tomato. It just was a dish that looked beautiful, that tasted perfect. It was seasoned perfectly. They also have something I think a lot of diners might get is their spot prawns, and they do salt-baked prawns. Spot prawns from California are so fantastic, and their presentation of it was wonderful. Again, it, it just is like a seamless thing of how the front of the house is executing the dish table side, presenting it and plating it in a French style was amazing. Um, and eating shrimp heads is the very best. Their bread program was fantastic. They're getting a butter from France. Again, one might say, why would you get butter from France? Again, it's because it's not to say that domestic butter couldn't be better, but there are things like the Bordier butter. This is in that vein, very, very famous butter producers. It just tastes different. I mean, it's the same thing. Why would you get wine from Burgundy when we have great vineyards here? It just tastes different. So the whole process is very sort of unique and special to the diner. There's another dish because it's California King season right now. There was a dish that looked beautiful, that looked very simple, and it was a, a slice of slowly cooked king salmon with slivers of Australian black truffle, chive, and like potato crisps. And I believe there was some kind of garlic emulsion on the side, or I can't remember the vegetable on it, but it was a, it was a cream uh, puree. Again, it, th- these are the kinds of dishes to me that are very Pissardian, right? Where it looks simple, but it, there's nothing simple about it. The flavors were just brilliant. The, the, the texture, the cuisson was perfect. And it's these kinds of things that, I, oh yeah, the sauce was a truffle sauce. Again, this is decadent, luxurious dining, but if you're so lucky to to have it, I highly recommend. If you're so lucky to have these moments, 
you know, you want to celebrate it. You want to go to a restaurant that can like deliver the goods and Providence was one of those. So anyway, I, I was hesitant to, to talk about the dishes because I could get stuck in the nerdiness of it all, but don't skip out on desserts. Their pastry chef there is doing extraordinary work. Uh, I'll stop talking. Give us five stars. <laughs>